tonight we are feeding the 4,000. And I told mom this morning, I said, it's a little disappointing. She, she does, she is, mom is like three days ahead of me in her Sunday school class. And so whatever mom talks about with Max and Eliana on Sunday, we talk about on Wednesday. There's one startling difference though. Mom's class always has food and I have yet to bring food for you all at all. And so, and they, they, they alter the story. They're eating chicken strips and acting like it's fish. They're doing all of that back there. And so one of these days I'll bring something for you all. But for right now, you're just going to have to power through and you know, hopefully we can get to, uh, we can get to the, uh, get to the end of tonight uh, and not be too hungry as we go. This feeding of the 4,000, we can find it in Matthew chapter 15 and you can also find it in Mark chapter 8. We will be in Matthew chapter 15. I, I don't think we look at Mark at all uh, on this, but we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 15, more specifically verses 32 through 38. And so we'll look at those seven verses uh, tonight. Like I said, we'll, we'll quiz you over it uh, a little later uh, as well. Um, but Jesus feeds the 4,000. Now I do want to mention the picture that I have here. When you search Jesus feeds the 4,000. We get also Jesus feeds the 5,000. We get a little bit of both. We are not allowed to talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000 until I say something. Okay? So I don't want anybody to say, well, you could. No, no. We're not talking about any of that until I say Then afterwards, we'll take our quiz and we'll talk about it all you want. But until then, we are talking about the 4,000. But I say that because I'm not totally sure if this picture is. It's, I don't know which one it works with, but I try to expand it out so you can't really see what you see there anyway. Huh? Oh, that's, yeah, there's some, there's some food up there, so just you can see uh, what it is. So let's talk a little bit about uh, where we're taking place, a couple of things. I mentioned last week that uh, the, the setting was the Decapolis, and I misspoke. Um, I think I said it was to the west of the Sea of Galilee, but it's to the east of Sea of Galilee. And as soon as I went home last Wednesday night, well, I said that, I think I was wrong uh, on that, but I definitely was. But in our story tonight, it's actually going to play back to last week. Um, and, and you'll remember last week uh, that Jesus healed the deaf uh, and the mute man. But the reality was that there was a lot of people that were healed in that time period. Uh, or in that, you know, in that setting. But this is the story that was told. And we talked about how that in some cases, that healing of that man who couldn't, uh, who couldn't speak and couldn't hear, that sort of served as a proxy for the healing of everything where Jesus had healed a lot of people uh, at that time. But this takes place in an area called the Decapolis. Um, and it was to the east of Galilee. This won't do anything for you, but these are the 10, although the map actually stretches up in the air as well, with these 10 cities, uh, and they formed an alliance to guard the frontier. And so almost everything Jesus does will be over here in the white part of the map, but he will find his way over here a little bit. But if you come over to here, that's where Babylon was, if you go back to the Old Testament. Uh, the Assyrians, they were a little bit to the north. But in, in the best way to describe it is everything over there was an enemy. And so these 10 city-states, if you call them that, they set themselves up to protect themselves from an outside invasion. And that makes sense. We do the same thing today with 
uh, with our uh, border or with our property or our territory. And if there's a danger, then perhaps there's military that's assigned to that. Uh, if it's not a danger, perhaps it's a fence or what have you. But these areas today, there are four of those cities that are in modern-day Jordan, four in modern-day Syria, and two are in modern-day Israel. That may not do anything for you, but those are places that you've probably heard of before. Most of the citizens were Gentiles. We've talked about how the western side of the Sea of Galilee was more Jewish. The eastern side was more Gentile. I'll ask you this uh, because uh, I say it a lot. I want to make sure that we know it. What does it mean to be Gentile? Foreign. Foreign, okay? Not Jewish, okay? So nobody would have referred to themselves as Gentile in the sense that you would say, I'm an American, or I'm a Kentucky, or even I am a Christian. Gentile simply was a collection of people that were not Jewish. Again, like Ben said, it typically referred to someone foreign, meaning that we're all the same and they're a little different uh, in that sense. But most of these people would have been Gentiles here. They were under the rule of Herod Antipas. This is a picture of him, of a carving uh, of him. I have a, I think we have him in the back, but I have a little chart here that says which Herod is which. How many of you have read or heard the name Herod, H-E-R-O-D, in the Bible? There's a lot of them, though. Here's the thing. If you, if you think it's only one, then he must have lived to be a really long age. There's a whole lot of them. And so it sort of follows up. The word Herod is put on all of them. Herod would not have been a name. Herod's not a given name like Daniel or Maria. But Herod is sort of a title that you would think of a king or an emperor or something like that. I assume we still have these in the back. I didn't. But it, it's interesting to see uh, because it gives every name. And it also gives where they are mentioned in the Bible as well. But this is Herod uh, Antipas, and he is the son of Herod the Great, which might be a name that does a little bit more for you. Herod the Great was who was in charge when Jesus was born, but by this point, he has long since passed away. But that's who these people's ruler would have been. And I tell you that because Jesus becomes a sort of thorn in the side of the ruling class. Not necessarily his own fault, but because he had drawn so much attention, because he had so many people that were of interest in what he was doing, that they started to, the leaders started to question, started to worry that perhaps he would try to take over. A couple other things here before we get further into it. While he was in the Decapolis, what we talked about last week, Multitudes were brought to him, many lame, blind, mute, uh, and others to heal. And we talked about all of that last week. And so Jesus was healing each and all, all, all a lot of these different groups of people. And as you can see there at the bottom, he had compassion for the multitude. And he fears that if he sends them away uh, with nothing to eat, I don't know why I wrote eats, so nothing to eat, that they would faint along the way. And so that's where our story is tonight. Jesus has healed all of these people. But now they all got to go home. And the worry is when they go home with nothing to eat, they might be in a difficult situation as they leave. Now consider these states that they're in sort of form a buffer of trouble anyway. It's impossible that there could be a problem. This is a picture from the region uh, today, of course, ruins from. 
We have a picture here for us of the old one. Uh, the miracle of the loaves and fishes again. I'm not talking about five versus four thousand, but it could be one, it could be the other. Uh, but this is uh, from Giovanni Lanfranco uh, from back in the 1620s. You know, it was good stuff back then. But you can find that in Ireland if you're ever uh, if you're ever there. So let's talk about this story just a little bit. Matthew chapter 15. Verses 32 through 34. So we're going to look at this brief part um, here to start with. Will, be here to read Matthew 15, 32 to 34. Sidon, uh, and, and they were in this area and they sort of worked their way up and now they worked their way back. And so a lot of these people were traveling with Jesus. And I get the impression, although it doesn't necessarily say it, but a lot of people that were with Jesus never really left. They were with him the whole time. Uh, you might know of people who have uh, traveled around during the summer and went to every concert of a certain band. Grateful Dead fans are sort of known for this kind of thing. But they just pack up and if you go to San Francisco, that's where we're going to go. We're going to go to Seattle. We'll go there and just work your way all the way around. Well, I get the impression that some of these people have been with Jesus the whole time. Not, not necessarily apostles, just people that have been following there. And so Jesus says, I have compassion on the multitude. And we know what it means to have compassion, but we think about these people. These are probably people that by this time, Jesus is probably like, I know Melvina. I know Ben. I know Maria. Because they've been there quite a long time anyway. So let's go into our questions here to start with. How long had they been with Jesus in this setting right here? It says, they have now continued with me for three days. And so they've been there, they've been along the whole way. And then, why was he reluctant to send them away? They hadn't eaten. Yeah, they hadn't eaten. How many of you know people that if you go to their house, if you're there for three days, or if you're there for three minutes, they're going to ask you if you want something to eat? Why do they do that? They don't want you to be hungry. They're kind, okay? Hospitality. We know people that are like that, right? If you're there, if you drop off a sheet of paper and you barely walk into what can get you something to eat. Well, Jesus is reluctant to send these people away because they might. And what if they were to go and it says they were afraid that they would faint? What if they were to go and get weakened or get sick or fall over and die? How would that bother you had you been Jesus? You feel real guilty. And here's the thing, because he had the ability to fix it. Now, I might not offer you something to eat if you came to my house and I had no food, right? But it's a little different with the story of Jesus. Let's go a little further right here. What did the disciples say to Jesus? Matthew chapter 15, verse 33. We're in the desert. There's nowhere to get food, but we need to feed this many people. 
Absolutely. It says in verse 33, it said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? Valid question, right? We're kind of in the middle of nowhere, and they ask this question, where could we get enough bread? Dollar store. Dollar store. The dollar store, and they, they built them on every corner, but they ain't got them into the capitals yet, so maybe one of these days, they were going to get it to them. But it's a valid question. Now remember, you're not allowed to talk about this because I said, well, quiz later. But it seems like an odd question to ask based on a couple weeks ago, right? We'll come back. Okay? How much food do they actually have available to them based on what we read? Alright, so we'll read there were seven loaves and there were a few small fish. I think that's what it says, right? So, so really, how would you describe that? Not much. Not, not much, all right? That's one, that's my cutting that might not call that a little, right? That's, that would be, be it for me. I don't know what the rest of you are. But it's not a lot, right? And that wouldn't be much for one or two people to share, much less for a, the Bible describes it as a multitude. That's unrealistic to even consider that much. Is it like big bass or is this little absolutely it's it's a it's a it's a it does make me think though that perhaps this was and i'm, I'm glad ben said that because i had a little note made here as well that this seems like this might be like the travel meal right this is this this is what you take a couple of dried fish maybe a loaf of bread or something so you can eat that along the way now think about what you would take to eat somewhere today well if you're going to work and you're going to take your lunch with you, what might you take? A sandwich. Potato chips. What is that? A snack cake. A snack cake, absolutely. Something small. We're probably not taking big old Thanksgiving turkey with us, right? Why are we not taking something like that? You got to carry that, right? You need something that I'm going to eat. I'm probably only going to have five or ten minutes to eat this. I don't need the full-on meal right there, but I'm going to have that. Now, how many of you all have those like freezer packs that you can put into a suit, uh, into a, a, a lunch box and keep it cool? Well, they didn't have that back then, right? So, how? What kind of stuff would you have to take? Some kind of drive something that's not going to spoil along the way. So they're probably limited, but it seems to me like. Feeding of the 5,000 store and the feeding of the 4,000 store, the fact that they got this, this seems like a decent little travel meal that, that people might would have had. How many, anybody here not like fish? Oh, been a, well, it would have been, yeah, our hands way up back there. It would have been a tough trip, tough for you all, right? So uh, if you didn't. But that's what, this is what they had, uh, it's what they had right there. All right, so let's go a little bit further then. Because they've asked the question, well, where are we going to be able to get this? All right, so let's go to Matthew 15, verses 35 through 38. Connie, do you care to read this? Magdala. Hmm? All right. So, now, again, not a lot to talk about it, but does this sound somewhat familiar? 
Maybe following a bit of a pattern in what we've seen here. So let's think about this for a second. First of all, Jesus, we see, commands the people to sit down, right? So, so I think I've asked this before, but why do you think Jesus had the people sit down? A little organization, right? I think in the 5,000 story it says they sat in groups of 50 or 100. I can't remember uh, exactly how it was. But then they sat down on the ground, and then Jesus does what? In verses 35 and 36. He gives thanks. That's a beautiful story right there in and of itself. He doesn't complain. He doesn't grumble. What am I going to do? But he gives thanks to God for what God has given him. And he steps out in faith. That's all we have to do. Absolutely. And so he says thanks for what it's there. And, and and Ben makes a very valid point. You could have easily looked at that and said, boy, it'd be nice to have seven more loaves and five more fish or something like that. But they didn't have it. And you could have wished for it, but we're gonna have it. Yeah, you weren't gonna have it. So he gives thanks, they 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 break the bread and then they pass it out to the others. And so after they eat, and we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about the eating, but in verse 37, it says, how much, well, first of all, let me ask this from verse 37. How much did the people eat? That's not on the screen, but look at verse 37, and how much did the people eat? So it says they ate and were filled. So, I mean, I guess we could take five fish and chop them up into tiny little bits and everybody get one and but, but you wouldn't be filled in that situation. We, we're aware of the difference between I had something to eat and I was filled. And so it says that they were filled. But then even afterwards, what is what did they collect? So it says that they collected seven baskets right there. So it's plenty of food, and they had leftover as well. And they were filled after three days of not eating. Sure. Right. So absolutely, and so we see then uh, that, like what Ben said, these are, these are people that have been moving from point A to B to C to D along the way uh, and had something to eat. Now we read uh, in verse thirty-eight. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if it's necessary either way. Yeah, there's no way of knowing that. Uh, how many people eat in this setting? So, we say 4,000 plus men, plus women and children. And who knows? You know, that's, that's a guesstimate as to what that number would be. But it's a, it's a big number for a small amount you know, of food. Okay. Now, does this, if you were here three weeks ago, does this sound familiar? All right. Quiz time. Yes, ma'am. I wasn't here three weeks ago. Did this happen after the beating of what we're not supposed to say? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. It did. There are four questions. Okay. Now, 
We're going to use the old education term here, but I will think time. You're familiar with think time like that. What think time means is you can't just yell out something. I don't mean to look at anybody, but you can't just yell out an answer, all right? I ain't looking at Lucille. Lucille will talk to Linda. They will say it out loud to each other, and then they'll say it out. Their think time will be still working together right there. I know how they operate as well right there. All right, so we have four questions, and we're going to talk about comparing the miracles, all right? Feeding the 5,000, and you can see where those verses are, and then feeding the 4,000. And I'm aware that it says 4,000 plus people, but it's just an easy way to describe uh, this right here, okay? So my first question is, how many days have they spent with Jesus? In the 5,000, do we know what the answer is? No. Well, we've really retained it good from the other day. All right? Okay, well, what about the 4,000? They had spent how many? Gosh, you're supposed to think. You're not supposed to yell it out immediately. Gotta think. All right. All right. <laughs> so, in the 5,000, they had spent one day. In the 4,000, they had spent three days with Jesus. Now, you may remember when we read the feeding of the 5,000 story, we didn't read it from a specific book. Remember, I took verses from all four. We sort of spliced them into one uh, story. So I can't tell you exactly if the answer is going to be in uh, each one of these because I kind of took from each one. All right? So that was our first one. We did okay. We did not... Uh, we were marginal. We didn't notice in the first answer. We all talked out loud. But other than that, pretty good. All right. Question two. How many loaves did they have? I want you to think for a second. Don't say nothing. Ella, shh. got to think. All right. Now... I'll let you talk to the person beside you, Linda and Lucille. <laughs> How many loaves did they have in the 5,000 and in the 4,000? All right, now, what do you got? They had five and 5,000. And they had seven. <laughs> All right, very good. So in the feeding of the 5,000, they had five loaves. In the feeding of the 4,000, they had seven loaves. You guys did really good on that. How many of you got that one right? All right. Glenn, did you get, y'all get it right? <laughs> she added them together. All together, they had 12 loaves of bread. You know what they had. All right, third question. Potential trick question. How many fish did they have? Talk about it. Think and discuss it with yourselves. Potential trick question. Potential trick question. No, you can't yell that. Yell it again. Linda. Or Linda looks that And for both answers? So how many fish did they have in the 5,000? How many did they have in the 4,000? All right. Okay. What about on the... Will, do you want to give the other one? The 5,000, they had uh, two uh, fish. Yep. And Lucille, you said what on the 4,000? There you go. That's why I said it's a potential trick question. We don't really know. 
And so I asked mom the other day, what does she consider a few? And mom said anything from three to six. And I thought that was a, I'm just trying to get the answer right kind of question right there. Few for me is three. That's just my number right there. But a two, uh, feeding the 5,000 two fish, feeding the 4,000, it says a few. But I think we would all agree that few is a small number, right? Uh, your, your idea of few may be a little different than somebody else, but it's a small, small number right there. All right, last question on our quiz here. How many, remember, got to talk to our partner here. How many baskets of leftovers were remaining? It's a different answer for both. I know. I did. Now, do we have an answer? We want to raise your hand. All right, let's see. Have I heard from uh, Linda and Ellen? And y'all want to give us an answer here? You're not, there's more than one Linda, man. We're going to sit. Where's the, I don't know where the principal's office is. I thought you did. You did well. You did well. All right. Okay, what about on the 5,000? Oh, that's right, you weren't here either on that. Tony? 12, very good. So on the 5,000, there were 12 baskets remaining. On the 4,000, there were seven baskets remaining. So I feel like you all did pretty good on that. How many of you got all of those right? How many of you have all of them right now? <laughs> Raise your hand, yeah, they're all right there. You got every one of them right, right there. So I don't know that it's necessarily pressing that we know the answer to the quiz questions, but it is to show that slight differences. Now, I want to mention something real quick, and this, we're, go, we're going to go to an opinion slide here. This is not a scripture slide, it's an opinion slide. My personal thoughts. I've always sort of been conflicted about these stories. And the reason is, is that they are so very similar. And it always makes me think, is this the same story told slightly different? For instance, tonight on the way here, there was a wreck at the 150 and 27 intersection. And then the police were going. And I suspect that the police will ask what happened, and there will be different people that will tell what happened, right? Because the story, well, that's sort of what I was thinking about right here. But I've been thinking about this just a bit as we went along. Two things helped me to conclude that they're different events. And here's one. Only Matthew and Mark wrote about the feeding of the 4,000. However, all four gospel writers, even John, who we almost never talk about with miracles, all four mentioned feeding the 5,000. And it seems unlikely to me that Matthew and Mark would tell one story and then repeat that same story again. So I do believe there's a difference. But there's a second thing that sort of me thinking about this as well. These two things happen in different regions, different parts. And that's why I showed you that map. And we've looked at the map several times in these classes. The 5,000 were almost entirely Jewish in a different location. 4,000 were almost entirely Gentile at least based upon that time where those people would have lived. And it seems to me, and I made a little note there, that Jesus had already been sharing the entire, with the entire world right there. 
Uh, that's where, like, if that story had happened with the Jewish people only, what might the Gentile people have thought? They weren't included. He's a Jewish prophet. He is a Jewish Messiah. He is a Jewish, 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 not Gentile. But when he does for the Gentiles, that sort of opens the door up for a group of people that were not included because they weren't Jewish. Now, I'm prepared to hear discussion or argument or agreement or assertion or whatever, but this is just sort of my thought on it. Might say it's just one, and Mark was maybe telling it because he got his, his source. He wasn't their first name. Right. But Matthew was their first name. So he wouldn't repeat a story, just a few verses later on or a chapter later on. Right. And he was eyewitness to both of them, so I think that proves that it's two different, two separate ones. I agree. Any other thoughts, others on it? I believe they're two completely different. Right. But I wanted to address that because. When we took that quiz, the answers are different, but they're very similar, right? The story is very similar. So I wanted to hit on this a little bit. Yes, ma'am. So it's a, it's a very good point. If I did something for all of you, and I did something similar but somewhat different for you all, and then Jill and Ella tonight when they ride home, they're saying, well, guess what he did? Or guess what the story we said? I think you're right, man. That makes a lot of sense. That the story sort of jives from both sides. Right Any other thoughts on this? <laughs> all right. So, a couple things for us to go home with. Number one, multiplication grows out of small amounts. Okay? When you were young, hopefully, you learned how to multiply. But you don't multiply until you learn how to add. And you have to know that adding 3 plus 3 plus 3 plus 3 will get you a number. But multiplication allows you to add a lot quicker, right? So, 3 times 4 is 12, or I could say 3 plus 3 plus 3 plus 3. Ben sort of hit on this just a minute ago. Y'all always take all my lessons to leave with points as we go. That's, that's fine, though. But we often complain about the things that we don't have, right? But we fail to realize even the multiplying potential of what we do have, right? Jesus took what he had, and he multiplied. You know, in the Bible, we read that people are given certain talents. Dad and I were talking about this Monday night. We're talking about some are given to be uh, prophets, and some are given to be apostles and teachers, or whatever it might be. But just because you can do something doesn't mean I can or vice versa. But that's why it's like that. But we're given these different talents and abilities. And so the question is, are we multiplying what we can do? Not saying, boy, I wish I could do this, but instead taking what I'm good at and doing even more of it. Because when you know how to multiply, the addition goes a whole lot quicker. Well, if I can multiply the talents that I have, I can do so much more than if I'm sitting there questioning, why can't I do what he or she can do? Number two, God can exceed our imagination. Now, I want you to think about the works that the church at Stanford are active in. Run it through your head. We, in the summer, we kind of get these presenters that come in and talk about you know, mission work or things like that. So we've seen a lot of those folks in the last three or four months. 
Why are we able to help missionaries and preachers? Why can we hold, I'll get you in just a second. Why can we hold gospel meetings and have guest preachers? Why can we help schools with backpacks and food and other essentials? Why can we do that? Now you can answer. Lucy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why else are we maybe able to do this? That's a, that's a, it's a it's a make believe story to try and imagine that. Like if you if you heard somebody make up a story like that, well, that's 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 a little much, you know. I think we might have even said that uh, the last time. But a lot of the things that are done here, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Tom. I think that's I think you're exactly right. And, and I, I wanted to say that because I had something similar to that written down. But the things that we do now, maybe we didn't used to do in the past. But somebody said, let's do this. And so we started helping this one person or one group. And then it realized like, oh, that's good. Maybe we can help just a little bit more. And then I think when we look at our offering and stuff like that, that I, mean, I have a record of that for like the last eight years. And it's much bigger now than it was back then. And I think part of, and a lot of us are the same people here. But a lot of that is kind of what Ben was saying a minute ago. I see that when I give to the church, things are going to be done with it. And then when people from Guyana, and when people from India, and when people from uh, uh, the radio broadcast, and from uh, the, the, the correspondence courses, and how, when they come and, say, and tell you things, there's proof of the pudding, as it were. Like, I'm not giving this, like you said, for it to just stack up in the corner, but I'm actually seeing pictures and I, I'm seeing testimonies, I'm seeing videos of people who are benefiting as a result of it. And I agree with you 100% on that, that the more, that, that when I get more, it opens up the door for more things to happen as well. And then what I'm saying it's a lot of, a lot of love comes into that. Yeah. You love the gospel, you love God, and you want to share that share with people. And you don't know these people, but when you see them and you see their need and you see that they don't, that they do not have the gospel there with them. Right. You love those people and you want to make sure that they have their hands on on uh, Bibles and on Bible work and different things like that, just like we have here. Yeah. You want those people to have the same thing and it's a, it's a lot of love with those people. Absolutely. What's up? But I'm saying for what we don't care about. 
Ivor. I, I would agree. Yes. Let it feed your imagination. I think about the little white man and the, the, the Pharisees are furious at him. You know, and who, who did this? How did he do this? And he said, the little guy says, respect. He said, I don't know. Yeah. All I know is I was blind. Right. I think uh, we don't know how he feels about it, but we know we were all hungry and we fed us. And I was full of good hard work. Right. You know, I mean, that's Absolutely. Certainly. You came out give God, you came out love God, you came out serve Him. We, we limit ourselves so much by thinking just in terms of what we can actually see and feel, what we can think, and we, we hold ourselves back more than we was ever intended to. Right. The last one is to just be thankful always. Amen. And Jesus gave thanks, as Ben said a minute ago, with full assurance that. It, everything would be taken care of, and not much, not much in the in the in the, in the bucket there. You know, There's a couple of fish and a couple of pieces of bread. But he gave thanks that Jesus would take care of everything. And so, I hope that for us that we're thankful for what we have, and grateful for whatever the case might, uh, whatever it is that we have, and whatever it might would be. And I, I hope that we're that way as well because if we're thankful for what we have then we can build upon that uh, as well any other comments or thoughts or anything before we leave They, that's, that's a very valid point that it seems like they've completely forgotten what worked 10 minutes ago. Uh, but we sometimes do the same thing. We sometimes do the same thing. Any others before we, uh, before we wrap up?